Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to this EM360 podcast. My name is Susan Walsh. I'm the fixer of dirty data and delighted to be your host on this podcast. I'm the founder and MD of The Classification Guru, specialist in data classification, taxonomy customization, and data cleansing. Now, I'm very excited. In today's episode, I am joined by the one and only Dan Everett, VP of Product and Solution Marketing at Informatica. Now, we kind of know each other through hanging around on LinkedIn, so I can't wait to have a full-on discussion with him today around the use of data to create a 360-degree view of your business. So welcome, Dan. Thanks, Susan. It's a pleasure to be here and get to speak with you in more detail other than our exchanges. Yeah, why don't you tell the, the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background and how you've ended up coming to speak to me about this today? Yeah, so I've been in data and analytics for 25 years, and I love data. I I think I started out in manufacturing, and there was Deming's Plan, Do, Check, Act uh, cycle, and that sort of set me on my trajectory for uh, using data. So, um, and then, yeah. Happy to be here today and talk about getting a 360-degree view of the business. Great. So let's start with what is a 360-degree view of the business. Um, I think different people might have different perceptions and also depending on which part of the business that you work in. So if you could explain that, that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think organizations are making progress and breaking down silos, but many still struggle with Um, functional areas of the business creating their own 360 degree views in silos. So for example, in retail, maybe marketing is bringing together customer product and channel data into a customer 360 to predict propensity to buy and uh, deliver personalized offers. And maybe merchandising is bringing together product and channel and location data into a product 360 to perform assortment planning. And then maybe you've got procurement bringing together product, supplier, location data into a supplier 360 to optimize purchasing activities. And finances bringing together all kinds of different data, you know, into a finance 360 to do profitability analysis. But if you don't really understand the context and the relationships between what the different functional areas are are doing, you might end up not actually delivering on the outcomes that you're looking for. For example, you can't just look at what products are uh, customers buying through which channels and start sending them personalized offers, right? You have to consider, do I have um, available supply? If not, can I do expedite shipping? Uh, Do I have manufacturing plant capacity? Are there enough trained personnel to staff the production lines, right? Can I deliver on time and in full and not just on time and in full, but you know, if I have to do expedited shipping, what's the impact on, profitability and, and cash flow. So all these things are interconnected. I have lived that myself and even things like, is there enough space in the warehouse to store the goods that we need to sell? Um, it can <laughs> go go on and on and on. That's right. That's right, for sure. So what do companies need to make this happen? Where's the starting point? I think the starting point is just data discovery, right? So companies have so many applications. I think uh, Okta's Business at Work survey said companies with more than 
2,000 employees have 187 applications on average. Wow. <laughs> right, right. So, like, you know, where is all my data? Um, how does the data flow between the applications, right, in the, in the business mm-hmm. processes, right? I think in the data and analytics space, we focus a lot on the analytics piece, you know, but once you've made the decisions, you have to go execute, right? And then you're talking yeah. about business processes, right? Procure to pay, order to cash, hire to retire, all of those things. So you have to understand what's that that process mapping and the data flow uh, within it. Uh, I'm just thinking as well, like there must be a cost involved to that because if there are all these silos, like, you know, like you're saying, sales could have this data stored somewhere, and then marketing have pretty much the same data stored somewhere else. And actually, it's the same data. It could be in one place. So there must be kind of like efficiencies, I would imagine. You know, even things like, you know, MailChimp, where you get paid per user that you have in your CRM system. Um, I'm thinking potentially, you know, by combining it all, there, there's real cost efficiencies and savings there as well. There's a there's a ton of cost efficiency, one just in productivity of data stewards, right? So if you're managing the data centrally once, right, and then distributing out to all the applications, but even just in the efficiency of workflows, right? I mean, how much time do people spend arguing over whether the data is correct or not? Um, So if you've got some, you know, (laughs) at least a, a standard view of this is what it means when we say customer, it has to have these name, address, email, these attributes, right? Um, yeah. And do you think that some companies are are possibly intimidated or scared to start because they feel like it's just such a big job to <laughs> <Yes>. tackle? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think that people are scared to start because it feels like it's such a big job. Right? That's, I think, where you have to look at what are the business outcomes that we're trying to solve for. Um, the example that I always use is um, liquidity management because, um, you know, I, I want to partner with the CFO, but, you know, day sales outstanding um, is, is an example of a metric, right? So what are the issues around day sales outstanding? A lot of times it's having inventory visibility, right? Do I have, you know, can availability to promise, right? That's going to impact our delivery day quotes, right? And if, you know, you aren't, if you don't deliver in full, that's one reason why companies delay paying their invoices. Yeah, they can get charged for that as well sometimes, or, or late deliveries. You know, right. a lot of like retailers have time slots. You know, it can right. cause all right. kinds I think of- I saw one McKinsey study where they said, you know, 1% of gross profit from um, not delivering in full and on time because of, you know, chargebacks and discounts. Wow. And, We're yeah. in the wrong business. <laughs> <laughs> So if we were to start talking about connecting these different types of data together, how, how can this be done? Well, well, some of it is rel- relatively straightforward, right? So if you think about using external third-party data, right, done in yeah. Bradstreet or, or those types of things, or you know, even others where maybe you're trying to understand the financial health of your suppliers to better evaluate your supply chain risk yeah. exposure, right? So they provide, you know, market, credit, credit, liquidity, operational risk kind of data. I'm also just thinking that actually 
you know, we, you're talking about external data sets, but if you have silos within the business, there could be other parts of the business that plug the gaps that another mm-hmm. department doesn't have. I mean, it just, it, it makes a yeah. lot of sense to me. Yeah. I, well, you know, using machine learning techniques like signature analysis, right, of, of column metadata, you know, you can identify primary and unique keys and infer, infer joins, right, across the master data sets. But also, you know, infer relationships between master data and other types of data like transaction or interaction data to increase the, the contextual understanding, right? So using things like natural language processing to extract information from, you know, documents or Twitter feeds or web chat blog files, right? And then you can use those sort of Bayesian genetic algorithms to link that unstructured data to the master data records. I just love, just keep talking geeky to me. Just keep I'm, talking. I'm, Ooh. I'm engrossed. <laughs> NLP, Bayesian genetics. But it is, um, it, it, it's, it's amazing what's out there that's, that's actually possible that I guess organizations yeah. aren't aware of. I mean, what, what role does, does all this play in better enterprise visibility? Well, just think um, maybe in the insurance industry, right? So maybe the customer has a request to um, change their home address, right? Mm-hmm. And then maybe on social media, they're also asking about um, home and auto bundles, right? So this could be an indication of churn risk, right? So then we want to do some analytics or what, what's the next best action, right, that I want to offer this customer so that they don't, that they don't churn. Oh, and then also, yeah, making sure you're if you're sitting mailing anything out, it goes to the right address because maybe accounts have the right address, but marketing didn't update their data, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. It just makes so much sense. <laughs> Imagine that understanding the relationships between. I know. Instead of going off and doing your, you know, the the classic, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand. Yeah, doing. or you've spent a lot of time working on some code or you've been in a spreadsheet for days trying to figure something out and guess what your colleague across the office has already figured it out two weeks ago and you just didn't talk to each other and didn't know right and another example i mean you you probably see this all the time too because in the you know managing the supply chain right so most companies don't have visibility beyond tier one suppliers right yeah so if you start understanding those relationships between the tier two and the tier one suppliers right there may be a tier two supplier that's having problems that's going to impact create supply chain risk right with maybe a couple of tier one suppliers but if you don't understand those relationships you're not going to have that visibility to manage that risk yeah and the, and the right information to be able to do the correct searches on them as well it's right you know, it's, you you hear, you know, you think you're doing business with a supplier, but actually their supply chain is extended, maybe two or three other suppliers down who maybe don't have the best practices or ethics in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to be aware of that. Um, That's, that's, you know, especially with sustainability, that's going to, I think um, having a 360 degree view for sustainability will be really important for organizations so they can see exactly what they're doing so they can track their emissions, etc. Yeah. Uh, well, the vast majority of the carbon emissions are in the scope three, right? Which are outside mm-hmm. of your, you know, your organization. So really, you know, how do you get that carbon emission from data? So 
you know, I saw an article that Unilever is actually making vendors provide those scope three emission data before they'll get paid for invoices. So they've attached it to their invoice processing. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I've heard a retailer here in the UK, they are, I think they are, they're top tier suppliers. If they don't have some kind of plan in place for sustainability over the next X amount of years, they won't even do business with them. So it's becoming increasingly important to, to know everything that's going on in your business. Sure. And if we just talk about, I mean, onboarding new suppliers, right? There's a whole oh, yeah. series of, of workflow, right? And a whole series of different departments that need to be involved, right? We have to do, oh, the, yes. you know, the credit checks, you know, do they have the um, insurance um, of conformance certificate, right? Do we have IBON numbers, right? All, all of these other, you know, things yep. are we, are we doing business with, are they on a um, blacklist, right? You know. oh, yeah. Are they a diverse supplier? That's another one. D&D right. numbers. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all information that's needed. Yeah. So if you connect all of these things together, right, that workflow and that process can become much more automated, right? And, and you yeah. can really speed up your business and be more efficient. So let's talk about collecting the data and analyzing it and storing it. How do we do this efficiently while complying with rules and regulations? So I think the first question is, do we need to collect it, right? Or do we just Ooh, need to connect it? Good question. I like it. Right? I, I, I'm going to go, you know, a little bit outside the normal business boundaries here. But I mean, if you think about IoT devices or edge mm -hmm. devices or self-driving vehicles, right? The sensors are collecting all this data, right? But you have to make decisions there at the edge, right? You're not yeah. going to, you're not going to load all of that data back into, you know, a central data lake, it's, it's just not going to happen, right? So I think part of it is looking at, you know, what, what do I actually need to collect versus what do I just need to discover and catalog and allow people to connect to? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And actually, we should probably be asking ourselves, in every process we do, do we need this? Right? Well, just, you know, people complain about the ingress egress um, rates of, of ecosystem cloud providers right so you know yeah. well think before you load load that data up or move it around it's so true are there common uh, problems or challenges that your customers face when they're trying to achieve this 360 overview of their business yeah before we go there i just want to go back to the question about complying with rules and regulations right yeah. in terms of regulatory compliance, I mean, there are machine learning techniques like clustering and data similarity and semantic tagging that can automate the, the data discovery and domain identification. And then, mm -hmm. you know, by using those semantic labels, we can start to auto associate privacy policies to, you know, similar columns, right? Is this customer data, you know? How long would that take a human to do? It would be impossible. Well, okay, I forget what IDC's survey is of how many set of bytes of data is being created all the time, but we did a, a study with CDOs recently. We're about to publish the results, right, where half of them said they have more than 1,000 data sources, right? So that's wow. just the data sources, right? There's no amount of humans that you can, you know, throw at looking at, I don't know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of columns, <laughs> Yeah. Right. It's just not going to happen. Right. So you do need some sort of 
automation. I mean, it's sort of the equivalent of the, the semantic labels is like tagging people in a Facebook photo, right? And then the net effect is that the same people are tagged in many other photos, yes. but you uh -huh. really only tagged them once, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, it's, it not only is this saving you time and resources, etc., but it's saving you the cost of potentially being fined for breaching some of regulation mm -hmm. as well. You know, it makes right. a lot of sense. Right. And people think about data lineage, lineage right? And more from analytics, like where the data come from, what reports is it going to, but data lineage also supports privacy compliance, right? Record of yeah. processing activity, data subject access requests, right to portability, right to erasure. So lineage is another you know, important part of that, I think. Well, I'm sold. <laughs> but what about any common challenges that customers might face when they're trying to achieve business-wide observability? You know, the biggest challenge, again, right, is just finding the data, right? I talked about the Okta at Work survey, 170 apps. 187 apps on average, right? I talked about our CDO survey where half of the respondents said they've got a thousand data sources, right? So just automating, finding the data, right? And, and understanding what type of data it is and cataloging it and then curating trusted data, right? Like, okay, mm -hmm. I found all this data, which data do I use? Is it correct, right? So what are my standards for data quality, both you know, accuracy, completeness, consistency. So data quality and master data management and those sorts of things. And then democratizing the, the use of the data, right? So we have multiple skill levels of people, right? Some people are really technical and some people aren't, right? And we have multiple yeah. personas, right? We've got executives that want high level dashboards and KPIs managers that need to coordinate activities, um, frontline people, right. And, you know, pick and pack, right. Like just tell me which bin it's in. Um, and, and how do I pack this thing? Right. And then multiple use cases around customer experience, supply chain, financial management. So, you know, those are the most common to me, uh, challenges that companies face. Sounds like you've got a lot of experience with that. So let's go on to the most important question of the day, which is how can Informatica help companies achieve their data management goals? Yeah. So, you know, I think first we really try hard to understand the business needs, right? And, and how do we use the data to improve organizational outcomes, right? Again, you know, I talked about the liquidity management um, example. You really have to start there and then follow the value chain back to the data. Um, in terms of the, the technology, I mean, we feel we have the best technology to address companies' data needs, right? We have multiple data management capabilities in one data management cloud, which means it's, it's fast to deploy. But more importantly, you know, we provide people with complete flexibility in terms of, we call, it's called IPU pricing, so the Informatica pricing unit. But basically, you can, today I need to load data into, I don't know, Snowflake, right? So I'm using my IPUs for data integration. Tomorrow I need to cleanse data in my CRM system. So I'm using data quality capabilities, right? Yeah. You're not, you, you just, you can move the, the what, you, what you're basically using, you know, back and forth between capabilities. So that, that flexibility really helps lower the cost. And then at the end of the day, you know, it's about support. Um, you know, 
end to end from the time that, you know, companies become aware of us through years of value realization. We want to make sure that companies have the best possible support experience with us. And we're very proud about winning a JD Powers Award for um, technical support. Congratulations. Well, yeah, thank you. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dan. It's been a fascinating conversation. It's certainly, I'm a small business, but it's made me think about the, the view that I have on my business and do I can I see everything that's going on? If, if people want to follow up this and, and learn more, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you, do, you have some great posts. I highly recommend I, following Yeah, them. Yes, they can find me on LinkedIn. And if people like uh, silly data parody songs uh, to have a little fun, data doesn't have to be all... Absolutely. Puppy. I am right uh, there with you. Yes. And then, of course, on uh, informatica.com, um, lots of information and ways to get in contact with us. Yeah, I, you well, know, I'd, I'd love speaking with you, Susan, and... Uh, Thank you. I had a great time today. It's it's. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. Um, it's it's really opened my eyes, and I'm sure it has for for everyone listening too. So thank you so much, Dan, for all your great insights today on business observability in a 360 degree view. Thank you to everyone who's listened to our conversation. Again, if you would like more information on what we've discussed today, please make sure you head over to the informatica.com website or LinkedIn to find Dan and you'll probably find me hanging out on his uh, comment section as well. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series, but until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head over to EM360Tech.com. I've been Susan Walsh. Thanks very much for your time.